your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What teams around the league might take from VGK's Stanley Cup run. How teams around the NHL can replicate key areas of the Golden Knights' success. We'll get into that after this. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked On Golden Knights. On Twitter, you could find us at Locked On VGK, at Tony Dasco, at TD Chris G. And make sure that you find our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off of your first purchase. So, Chris, as we've come to realize in all of professional sports, whenever a team is successful, whenever they win the chip, other teams try to replicate or copy their plan or parts of it. So today's question, I think it's interesting that we should lead off with what NHL teams can learn from VGK that can help them to win a cup in the future. So I'll start off with just one point that I had. Uh, So I feel the teams learned that they have to roll four lines consistently, and they also have to have four really good centers as part of this whole system I think, to be successful around the league. What are some of your things in this copycat league? (laughs) Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Steve Eiserman, Nick Lidstrom, Anze Kopitar, Tony Dottie. There you go. Anze Kopitar, (laughs) Drew Dottie, um, Alex Petrangelo, Vladimir Tarasenko. I just listed a good chunk of Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith. We can keep doing this. So I just listed the number one center and number one defenseman on a lot of the last NHL Stanley Cup uh, victory teams. Uh, Sidney Crosby and um, the, 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 the uh, Latang, Chris Latang. Point Letang. being is um, George. McPhee and more or less McCrimmon mentioned how many times the importance of having a number one center and number one defenseman. Yes, all four lines, huge importance, but you have to have that difference maker. Jack Eichel, we don't need to go too deep into what he accomplished. He led the entire playoffs in scoring, and he was that player that did have the ability to take over a game. Yes, Marcheseau got the con smite. He got the scoring and everything. But without Jack Eichel's ability to get the puck to Marchessault, and I mean, probably 10 of his 20 assists probably went to Jonathan Marchessault. Without that ability, Marchessault doesn't win the Conn Smythe. And Alex Petrangelo is, it's weird. Like, he's not Kale McCarr. He's not this. He's not Roman Yossi. He's not this defenseman that really stands out. But he does good things for the vast majority of his 25 minutes he's on the ice, and he does it in very stressful situations. So I'll certainly start by saying you have to have that number one center and that number one defenseman. And the proof simply is in the pudding if you go back. Uh, The only roster I can't think of where you had a real standout 
center and defenseman was actually the Capitals when they beat the Golden Knights. Um, maybe Kuznetsov, if he's a center, I can't even recall who their shutdown defenseman was. But outside of that, you go all the way back. I mean, Mario Lemieux, Ulf Samuelson, if we want to keep on going back here. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Good point. Um, our good friend Haley Taylor tagged me in a tweet yesterday morning. Uh, VGK was likable, physical, and had depth, Keith Jones said. He said that it didn't matter who was in net, and I think the teams will learn that the trend could be towards bigger defensemen now, okay, to your point about strength up the middle, um, and they also have to play a structured defense. And I learned, he said, uh, that you don't have to have an amazing goalie just one pretty much that is serviceable is what I read into his comments. And Aiden Hill, I thought, was a bonus uh, for VGK in the playoffs. But the defense was actually what stood out in my mind and how they played structurally. So that was actually part two of what I was going to say. You need to have a and we how many times do we hear over the course of the season? A goalie friendly system Aiden Hill gets all the props all the top notches all the best things you can say about a goalie as does Brossois Brossois was doing fantastic as well before uh he suffered his what third injury of the year it seems like unfortunate for him uh, but Brossois could have won the Stanley Cup with this team as well it's not knocking Aiden Hill it's simply saying the strength and defense um we can have another conversation so I was trying to think in my head of these high level high paid goalies that have won Stanley Cups recently. Um, what was it, Dar- uh, Darcy Kemper or Grubauer? Who was the goalie for the Avs when they won it? It was it one was of them. Kemper. Okay, he's Kemper. not he's not an all-world goalie by any means. Aiden Hill is not an all-world goalie by any means. Uh, Holtby is not an all-world goalie by any means. Uh, Vasilevsky, of course, very high-paid goalie, yeah. won two Cups. Marc-Andre Fleury, you can, make, you can say the same thing. But a lot of times you can win the Cup with a goalie who is simply serviceable, and instead of spending $10 million on a Vasilevsky or an $8.5 million on Connor Hellebuck, you spend hopefully 2 or $3 million or even spread out 4 or $5 million on two goalies, and you use that capital to build your blue line. And the Golden Knights have one of the most unique blue lines in all of the NHL. It is old school. They are six big defensemen, or at least four of the six defensemen are pretty big who can hit. They can also move the puck. They can also chip in for scoring when necessary. But I mean, Petrangelo, Martinez, McNabb, White Cloud, Haig, those are all those are all pretty big bodies right there who uh to quote Alec Martinez will knock you into the first row while you're eating some nachos with someone. And then Shea Theodore is certainly the the quick puck mover uh, of that group. And obviously White Cloud and of course Petrangelo can move the puck as well, but Theodore is the flash, if you will, of uh, the defenseman. Another thing that I feel we're talking about uh, what some of the teams around the league might try to copy now that VGK has won a title. And I think that one of the keys for Bruce Cassidy that he repeatedly spoke about was the play in the slot. Slot play, he thought, was not only because it's Las Vegas where you play slots, but the slot play, of course, uh, inside. And net front presence was a really big key to the success of VGK. Will we see more teams play more aggressively in the slot and in front of the net in the future moving forward? I mean, that's obviously we can't go this far without mentioning Barbashev. Of course, he was the missing link on that line one. And 
I don't know. I don't see a path to him coming back. It seems like uh, Kevin Weeks reported uh, uh, this past That's Wednesday. Our third on Twitter. segment. I'm just simply saying Kevin Weeks reported that it doesn't look good for uh, for Barbershop to come back. Segment. That's all. That's Dude. all. Oh, okay. I'm sure. Tony, we can BS a segment. Don't worry. We, 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 okay. We can so I just wanted to see if there were any more keys or anything else that teams might try to replicate yeah, in your no, estimation. The, yeah. I mean, the inside play is certainly very important. And this is where other players will certainly need to you know step up and continue that. Um I think the recipe, at least the Vegas recipe, number one forward, number one center, number one D, money ball the goalie. Money ball the goalie. I mean, look at Logan Thompson, 760 whatever thousand dollars. Robin Leonard, we that's the name we keep hearing. And we're going to know something about him in the next probably 10 days as free agency comes, especially if the Golden Knights do make that splash and re-sign Barbershop. We, we'll we, we don't buy out any players here around here. We have no bad contracts either. I'm sure no you almost contracts. fell off your chair when you looked at the William Carlson contract. I mean, I'll, I'll still say it, the William Carlson contract. Yeah, he was great in the playoffs for one year. But that's that's not a good contract. I'm I don't no. I don't I don't agree with McCrimmon on that. I agree with almost everything that McCrimmon says, like wholeheartedly. But that's the one statement that I did not agree with in his uh, presser this past Friday. Hey, I was out with clients last night, but I know that you were glued to the TV watching the Calder Cup final <laughs> game cool. seven. Yeah, and so it was won by the Hershey Bears. Somebody put up. It was cool. Uh, they had. Have you ever been to Hershey, Pennsylvania? I have not. It smells like chocolate, which is almost, I love chocolate, but it's disgustingly, the smell there just it reeks the entire town. So it's not like Willy Wonka chocolate factory exciting. It's like not, not a good smell. No, it just is like, it's like the weed smell in Vegas. Weed is okay. <laughs> right. But there's just way too much. Okay. Depends. In any event. Yeah. <laughs> so the AHL, they have a new Calder cup champion, but you've got to hand it to the opponent, uh, which lost, which was Coachella Valley. Um, this is just their second year of existence, uh, Seattle's farm team. So they've done a good job of building that up rather quickly. This might actually be Coachella's first year, or at is least their the first, first year, year with Seattle. It's it's something like that. But oh, okay. um, point being is the you Firebirds. had the oh it's yeah, you had the oldest AHL team against the newest AHL team for, for the chip, as you said earlier. And I was, uh, I was opening sports cards. I was doing my shows last night and I said about, I don't know, seven 45, eight o'clock said, all right, here's how my night's going to go. I'm going to finish this show about nine o'clock. I'm going to drive to raising canes. I'm going to go get some, go get, go get myself a, uh, you know, nice box combo. Was I going at the, at the drive? He wasn't. I, I was hoping, uh, I mean, get some, uh, really fast. If you haven't had your, your garlic bread from raising canes, Bob style, butter on both sides, you haven't lived yet. So I said, I'm going to get my, my, my chicken fingers. I'm going to get my Bob, uh, garlic bread and I'm going to go watch overtime in this hockey game. And sure enough, the game went to overtime, went exactly the way I said it would. I got back like literally as they dropped the puck for overtime, I was listening in the car before that. And I think uh, about 10, 12 minutes in, uh, Hershey was able to score. But it was a lot of fun to watch. It was exciting to catch a game seven mm. overtime for everything. Um, they still haven't improved the camera work on the AHL network. I'll save that. I'll save most of that for what the Friday, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joey Decord in game six had an assist. I saw that. I oh, did that's cool. watch that. So, but uh, Decord, the future goalie for uh, the Seattle franchise. I think he played in maybe three or four games last season, and VGK also faced him, but right. he was the standout at uh, Arizona State. Uh, Jimmy so Schultz is on right. Coachella, former VGK prospect. 
Oh, nice. I didn't see that. Very cool. Uh, coming up next, we've got VGK, a look at their special teams, which came up big in the Stanley Cup final. We'll talk about that. How do the Golden Knights improve on special teams in the Cup run? Back with more after this on Locked On Golden Knights. Buying tickets to your favorite event should not be stressful. Not as stressful as putting together a daily podcast. Uh, but game time is the fast and easy way to get yeah, tickets for, for all sports, music, comedy, which we are very good at on this show, and much, much more in theater, all of that. Uh, they've got killer deals, last-minute tickets, and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Of course, you could talk about all of the great uh, events that they have on there. Just download it. It really is very good. Chris and I both have utilized it. You can get flash deals on last-minute tickets. It's an easy way to find tickets for every kind of event in our area here in Las Vegas or wherever you're at. And it's the lowest price guaranteed. They also have event cancellation protection and job loss protection, which is really cool. You get the exclusive flash deal, so check it out today. The guarantee actually means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section uh, or the same row for less, GameTime actually credits you. And they do that each and every time and easy to use. Trust me, if I could do it, you can do it two taps and you are absolutely in. Snag your tickets today without all of the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem with the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back on Lockdown Golden Knights from Las Vegas. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure that you check that out, Lockdown Golden Knights, and find us wherever you get your podcast. And, Chris, uh, of course, coming up on Friday, tomorrow's show, we will have What the Friday, so line up all of your terrific comments. I'm sure they're will be so many great ones, especially with all of my predictions on VGK during this playoff run. Uh, we also have, uh, what, the NHL draft special that is now up, isn't it? Uh, it's We have the, the NHL draft special. Boy, that's refreshing. We're refreshing. Yeah. We're refreshing. You're refreshing. But you did, you did a segment on the VGK pick, which fans definitely have to check out. There you go. Hold on. <clears throat> After today's show, be sure to check out Lockdown's 2023 NHL Mock Draft Special. Local hosts of Lockdown NHL Channel have made their picks, and hosts Gil Martin and Hottie break yes. down every selection over a three-day mock draft event. Find the episodes of Lockdown NHL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And yeah, we, um, I mean, listen, at 32, I'm, I'm not a big prospect guy. I'm going to definitely concede that. So the one thing I looked at when I made our pick, if you will, for the Golden Knights, I was looking for a big body defenseman who also would have some speed. And I found, I think his first name is Andrew, but last name is definitely Gibson. Um, big bodied, six foot, two, ten, something like that. Just someone that could fit like the Zach Whitecloud mode or Zach Whitecloud um, uh, build, if you will, kind of that big body, but can still move the puck. And um, we'll see if uh, the VGK agrees with my assessment or not. Okay. And we'll be talking much more about the draft. I have my pick in, by the way. No one asked me for my opinion. 
But I like those family ties. So we'll get into that, of course, as we get closer. McPhee's kid already is somewhere else. I wonder who he talked about. <laughs> so is Gage, is Gage Quinney ever going to make it to the NHL level? Well, he's the leading scorer. Aren't they developing players on the farm? And uh, and the other guy that I like is Oliver Bonk, who is Roddick Bonk's Roddick son. Bonk, yeah. Yeah. And he might be available late in the first round. And I think it would be cool because I'd go to Thunder Games and that was the superstar. The first big hockey star <laughs> in our city was Radic Bonk and then cool. later drafted by Ottawa. And yeah, so we all talk a lot more, but I like those family ties. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. And start some, yeah, start traditions and like getting, picking up uh, your most popular hat after a hat trick. <laughs> uh, so the Golden Knight special teams. Um, improved dramatically, especially late into the playoffs and in the cup finals. VGK scoring six times on the power play. They also had a shorthanded goal. They outscored Florida seven to one on uh, special teams. And then, of course, Florida 0 for 14 on its power play. The Edmonton series had to teach VGK a lot. Talk about copycats and what have you. Um, had to teach them a lot about puck management on the PK and then also how to score. And, of course, it's a much different team uh, when you've got uh, a Mark Stone hanging out in front of the net. Yeah, that's certainly a good place to start uh, the conversation at. I mean, things there was a couple pockets in the regular season especially early on, I think, where November, December, things really were going well for the power play, most importantly. And then obviously Mark Stone goes down in January, January 12th, to be specific. And so did the power play for the most part, just his skill, expertise and uh, positioning in the bumper. He's great in that spot. He is certainly awesome to have there. He's no Willie Carlson in the bumper. No, he's definitely no Willie Carlson. Heck no, heck no. Pretty good on the, on the kill side, too, of that. The stats didn't change a whole lot. So VGK is middle of the road as far as the kill and the power play wins in the playoffs and the regular season. I was kind of looking at that a second ago. But it, it's just the eye test. Um, goals are fluky, whether they're power play goals, regular season goals. You know, there's not a lot of goals scored. I mean, you got a lot of 3-2 games, a lot of 4-3 games and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily, especially on the power play, about the puck going in the net. Yeah, you got to score goals, obviously. But think about some of those power plays from, let's call it January 13th until the end of the regular season when Mark Stone wasn't there, when Jack Eichel missed a pocket of games. You know, it just was pass on the perimeter, pass, pass, pass. Like their entries always have been very, very good under, under Coach Cassidy. A huge area of opportunity was getting the puck to those, you know, plus situations, to those high danger areas and getting those scoring attempts. They were good at getting those lazy shots from the point, kind of going back to, uh, you know, the Pete DeBoer era, the Pete DeBoering era. And then you look at the playoffs, even the first series against Winnipeg, the power play took a few games to get going. Uh, I think Jack Eichel had a game where he had two power play goals, if I'm not mistaken. And then obviously the Edmonton series, it got better. And then, of course, Dallas and Florida, the rest is history there. But I'm just going to go on the eye test of the power play. Scoring chances, keeping the other team on their heels, wearing the other team out physically. You don't have to score on the power play. I've said this so many times on this podcast now, but you don't have to score on the power play to say it was a good power play. If you have the other team playing defense for, let's say, a minute, 15 seconds of a two-minute power play, now you've worn down the other team's top four defensemen. 
that's going to lead to a mistake later in the game. Just take that fatigue away, take that skill out of the equation for a little bit, and now you're going to have your top lines maybe two or three minutes later playing against the other team's worst defensive pairing, which can create some good five-on-five chances. And that's where the VGK really excelled, and they also happened to do it while scoring a bunch of goals on a power play against Florida and uh, even Edmonton later in that series. And one of the criticisms I have about the power play opportunities for VGK is just that they don't shoot the puck quick enough or try to get as many chances. I think that they improved, obviously, uh, later on and into the Stanley Cup final series where they did, you know, just pass the puck around and find some open lanes, right? And that's what they did. And, of course, they put players in front of the net and that's going to be your recipe uh, for success. And of course that's going to work when you have a two man advantage as well. And <laughs> we they had a couple get, of those. <laughs> they did get an empty net. Uh, yeah. A nice little gift there of an empty net power play goal in the final series. Um, remember, oh, I you got roasted you, for that. You got so roasted for that. I, that's good, man. You, 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 you would declare it a power play goal. <laughs> yeah. And remember I told you that I felt that the one area on the PK that I thought VGK really improved was in the area of clearing the puck. They used to lollygag, right? And now I think John Stevens probably gets all the credit in the world for the PK and special teams. Be cool to ask him about it. (laughs) There's no one at the podium. We could just do a fake presser uh so i thought that that was one area that they really improved in and under cassidy we we saw in the regular season they just did not clear the puck don't mess around just chip it out right and 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 get it out of the zone i think you need to treat every other team the way you treat edmonton uh if the vgk can go in with that level of care next season to all the teams they play when they're shorthanded. Just like you said, clear the puck, chip it, get it off the boards, keep it away from the glass. God, I hate when they chip it high off the glass. That's the most useless play uh, with the new rules with um, with delay game if it goes over the glass. Okay, Petro. Alex Petrangelo. That's pretty good. We both did that at the same time. Um, but treat every situation like that. Don't mess around with it. If you get a chance to obviously spring someone on a breakaway, fine, do it. But Assume every other, assume all 31 teams are the Edmonton Oilers and your penalty kill percentage will go a lot higher because you saw a different version of the kill. You saw that in game one of the series, just the second they got that puck, boom, gone. You didn't see a level of urgency in any of the other games this entire season. So that's the recipe for improving the kill coming into the 23 24 campaign. What other areas do you think on special teams will have to improve? I only. I wanted to stress this because at the start of the season, well, the hiring a year ago of Bruce Cassidy, where they glossed over and they just kind of poo-pooed special teams while special teams are going to improve immediately. And then we saw no immediate results, uh, positive. And we saw the droughts again, a la the Pete DeBoer, the boring era. And I think for them to be successful, they can't go through these droughts and they should get a pretty good start next season with a lot of the pieces back and now understanding the power play system under Cassidy and Stevens. I think we can start by saying, at least I feel the Golden Knights got a little lucky to win the Stanley Cup 
where their regular season power play and penalty kill percentages were. Um, I'm pretty sure most Stanley Cup winners, they're top 10 on both sides of the special teams during the regular season. I know I looked at that for a little while, and that was outside of the goaltending. That was my second concern, especially the power play uh, coming in to the playoffs. Um, I think a free agent acquisition who has the ability to shoot the puck really well from the circles on the power play might be someone this team is looking at. I don't know if there's such a thing as a a power play specialist out there. I say it because most power play specialists are, you know, superstars who are going to score, you know, 30, 31, you know, 32 goals in the season or greater, obviously. Um, Brent Brisson in the AHL level, he can shoot the puck really well from the left circle. You wonder if someone like that can maybe break through with the team. Otherwise, I really think one of the, you know, under the radar, because there's going to be some free agent acquisitions, whatever happens with Barbershop, we'll talk about that later, of course, but there's going to be some free agent acquisitions on this team, especially if Barbershop is not signed. And I really think VGK might target someone who, you know, to quote, to quote Cassidy in the end of the regular season, when they put Pavel Dorofiev on the power play, they asked him like, Hey, Dorofiev's on the power play. What does he bring? You know, typical can question. And the response was, we need someone to shoot the, the blank puck. Right. We need someone to shoot the dang puck. So let's see yeah. um, if, if VGK can unearth or mine, you know, a little, a little gem to help the power play coming in next season. I'd like to see Jack Eichel be a little bit more selfish next season and maybe a year under Cassidy's system, he will be that 80 to 90 point uh, season output type of a player. Uh, speak about the left circle. I mean, he does it so well, but just don't look to pass first. Shoot. I'd like to see him shoot a lot more next season when given those opportunities. He's a consummate team player, right? Now, to take his team to the next level, I think that's one of the things, an area of improvement, if you will. And again, a lot will depend on the health of Mark Stone. It's going to be dependent because in the bumper, this team has proven now that they could score on the power play, uh, but you need a healthy Mark Stone. Great. I, I was sure we were going to go next segment or not there. No, no doubt. And the, the outlook on Stone certainly is mushy i guess it's cloudy maybe it's a better word to use on one side vgk said they feel this last surgery fixed him but in the same report by elliot friedman he acknowledged this is mark stone's reality going to be in and out of the lineup for possibly long pockets of time god can you imagine if like february 14th stone goes down next year again can you just imagine what's going to happen could you just imagine if he and kessel and cotter and that whole crew if they finished the tot yacht at wet republic didn't they get two of them didn't they get two of them they got two so a thousand dollars worth of tots and my friend marlene on uh, twitter who works there at wet republic i did try to get the comp for us on the show but she wasn't having it so coming up next where could aiden hill or ivan barbashev go where could they land if they leave the golden knights through free agency we'll get to that when we return right here yep tot yacht uh, right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Bird Dogs makes you look really good. Uh, Bird Dogs, they've got the stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer to the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I wore my uh, Bird Dogs golfing 
hacking away, I should say, uh, this past weekend. And someone had noticed them and they said, hey, I know that you guys talk about bird dogs all the time on the podcast, which I thought was really cool. And they saw them come to life, of course, uh, but not my golf game. Uh, bird dog uh, shorts, they actually help you out a ton uh, because they fit much better. Uh, and they fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. And, of course, with khaki pants, you really don't get that, I guess, uh, mobility. Um, and Bird Dogs also uses this anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash NHL. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL for the free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first lesson each and every day. Of course, I kind of caught you off guard before, but check out the NHL draft special. Of course, that's <laughs> happening. That went well. On, yeah. And then, of course, tomorrow's WTF. What the Friday? Uh, so on about Wednesday, a fart in church earlier, but yeah. <laughs> I bet you no one mentioned this on the show earlier today, but on Wednesday, Kevin Weeks, you know, Kevin Weeks actually <laughs> tweeted out that there are no talks between VGK and Ivan Barbershop uh, currently. So Weeks said, uh, that it now appears that Barbashev will be hitting the free agent market where he will have plenty of lucrative offers. So a couple of things. Uh, what type of a deal do you feel Barbashev is looking for? Obviously, long-term. Let's talk about him first. I think your team, Chicago, is an absolute money target. So it, it could be money with Connor Bedard as the center, and Barbashev as a wing, and then you have like a Tyler Johnson, perhaps, or a Jason Dickinson, someone else, I don't know, at so much cap space left, $37.5 million for your Blackhawks. I think that's a terrific landing spot for him. Chicago, Detroit both have similar, you know, cap spaces right now. And Detroit is building a team around, you know, all these rookies and young talents that is going to be competing possibly a year or two earlier than the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, that's not to say Bedard doesn't score 100 points and maybe the Blackhawks do quietly compete this season. I don't understand if he does go to Chicago. I think that's rushing the plan in Chicago, but I don't know. Um, as far as what I think he's going to ask for slash command, I think at the least it's five times five, uh, five million Robin letter contract, right? Five times five or five times four. But I think he wants five years term, $5 million or greater. If it stretches to seven, eight years, it's probably going to be right at $5 million. If it's five years, he might go for five points something. Um, I think the front runners are still Chicago just based on chatter. I don't agree with it, but that's uh, what we're hearing. And then your Rangers, obviously, we'll see obviously how things shake out with Tarasenko and Patrick Kane and all those other moves that certainly got made. Um, I've heard people saying he's trying to get as high as six or seven million dollars. That seems way above the market. Again, reality, he's only scored 60 goals once in his career. He's got two Stanley Cups, intangibles off the chart, yes, but they're paying him for the player they're hoping he becomes versus what he is, and that's why I think the Golden Knights need to move on. 
Oh, I really like the guy. I do. I thought he oh, was I love a key him. component, love him. Love key, key love component him. here uh, for the VGK Cup run. Aiden Hill. Uh, I think personally that the Devils might go after him. Uh, they are already uh, rumored to be interested in Connor Hellebuck. Uh, but if that doesn't work out, perhaps Hill goes there or there will be an opening for a goaltender in Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg, and you know, Chicago as well. You know, speaking about Chicago, I mean, well, who do, they have Alex Stalock and they have Peter Mrazek. Uh They can yeah. move on. Obviously. Dylan Wells is a kid they got. And they, got and they have the money. Have. They have the money, right? They do. Um, Aiden Hill is going to go somewhere, I think, where it's a 1A, 1B platoon. We'll start the bidding there. And he wants, I think, close to $5 million, whether he gets that. I mean, again, speaking of a player paying for what you need him to stay, not become, but stay, they're want pe- he's going to want to get paid based off of his Stanley Cup run. And it, that's fair. Any goalie should get paid based off of that. The reality is he's never played more than 27 regular season games in his entire career. Can he shoulder, let's say, a 41-game workload and, while staying healthy? For $5 million, I don't want to be the team to find out. Uh, Mike McKenna had a real good take on the NHL Network yesterday. Uh, he said Carolina, so he can uh, uh, platoon with the Kachetov, Kachetkov, pardon me, I always say the name wrong, Kachetkov. And $4.1 million uh, four or five years term. So we'll see if McKenna uh, hit hit that. I do like your Winnipeg angle, though, if Hellebuck uh, does leave. New Jersey, same thing. I mean, because if they're rumored for Hellebuck as well, that's obviously a cheaper option to platoon there. But yeah, that's a lot of money to pay for a B goalie. I say B, 1A, 1B, not that he's a B goalie, but you know what I'm saying. For no, a backup, we, possibly. Uh, we don't know if that success is sustainable no, our favorite like, word. Good job. Yeah. What it would be like within another system where he doesn't have that Bruce Cassidy system that Holy helped him so much. system. For sure. Uh, coming up tomorrow, What the Friday, that's our weekly feature. Please line up all your comments. We read them on the air, and that's a lot of fun. And thanks again to our everydayers, the folks that make this show tick. Go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, Lockdown Golden Knights. And make sure that you pick up our podcast wherever you get your podcast. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco from Las Vegas. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights.